0: Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. People die in hospitals all the time. That's what I was told on my first nursing job at the age of 25. But what happens when hospital personnel are actually causing those deaths? In this episode, we're going to be talking about the most prolific serial killer of all time, Charles Cullen, and you guessed it, he was a nurse. He's said to have killed over 400 people in a span of nine years, and joining us today is New York Times bestselling author, Charles Graber. He wrote the book, The Good Nurse, A True Story of Medicine, Madness, and Murder* it's the story of Charles Cullen. This is an episode you won't want to miss. Nurse Backpack is a free mobile app designed to help nurses and nursing students manage both their credentials and careers. The app is awesome and very easy to use. You take a photo of your credentials, licenses, immunizations, and other documents, and it's all stored on a secure cloud-based server. The app allows you to set up two different expiration date reminders so you can get a notification on your phone before anything ever expires. Nurse Backpack will even build a resume package for you. If you input your work history and specialties, then the app will package everything together into a professional PDF for you to send to anyone, allowing you to apply to your dream job with one click of a button. With Nurse Backpack, you never have to worry about losing another document missing a shift due to expired licenses, or keeping track of all the paperwork. The app does it all for you. Click the link in the description at the end of this podcast to download the app for free today. Welcome to the show, Charles Graver. Thanks for having me. Okay. I'm so excited about this show. It's been a while putting it together. Um, I read your book, The Good Nurse. And it was recommended to me by one of my friends, also a former guest, Jim Kane. Uh, He was like, you have to read this book. You have to read this book. And I'm like, I'm not into murder mysteries. I don't like reading hospital dramas, Uh, but he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. So I was in Rancho Mirage in the desert one day and I went to the Barnes Noble bookstore and I picked it up. And I was like, okay, it looks pretty interesting. All right and I went to go pay for it and the sales girl was like oh my god this is the best book ever have you oh my god and she's like freaking out and I was like are you a nurse like why are you so into this book and she's like no it's so good so so good and she's just like watch you'll see and she's really into murder mysteries so I was like okay And then, you know, it took me a while to read it because it's very, very real for me as I was going into the podcast. So it was difficult. It was like triggering in a way. So as you can see, it's very tattered. I mean, people (laughs) in the podcast world listening can't see my book, but it's very tattered because I was throwing it against the wall. So I explained (laughs) why many times. Uh, And so I was in New Orleans and I took a flight back and um, I think I was going to Salt Lake City It was a weird connecting flight. And I pull out the book to finish reading it. And the woman next to me was like, oh my God, that is the best. Oh my God, that book, I've read it. And I'm like, are you a nurse? She's like, no, but that book is amazing. And she loved, again, murder mysteries. And she happened to have another murder mystery. In her hand as we were reading, and she's like that 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 book is 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 awesome, you know, so uh yeah, everywhere I pulled it out, people seemed to read it and were not in the healthcare profession, which I thought was very fascinating. so I think let's go ahead and start on your journey with this book, like how did you get into writing about a nurse looking at a <laughs> nurse
1: right um let me let me back up just for a second though and first say. Uh, how amazing it is to see your battered copy of this book <laughs> it's so excellent because i, I you sent me a, a picture of it and um, it's just it's it's so beautiful to see this thing out in the wild believe it or not you've come across it out in the wild much more often than I have for for some reason but I just love a uh, a well-loved paperback um, yeah I have, I have quite a few of them myself and so that's I don't know, that, I, I, I love seeing that picture. So that really told me so much. It's sort of the, the intimacy uh, of, that you have with a, with a book that you're really, yeah, really I, into.
0: I love books and I think we were just chatting a little bit about uh, dyslexia. And mm. I, um, what, I was never formally diagnosed with dyslexia. My brother has dyslexia, he's diagnosed, but I did have several issues in school. And in third grade, I became a voracious reader. Um and now I am a writer. And uh so I think it's helped but you shared with me that you have dyslexia as well. That's
1: right. Yeah. I, I was at a I I think uh what it turns out the way I think of it is really that
0: I I uh
1: I learn differently than other people. And it takes a while to figure that out, right? When you're in Yes, school yes, so true. And and of course what that starts out meaning is that you you seem to be not learning at all. You're just not doing doing well. And so they really uh you know, I was really treated like a, a dummy. I was—I remember parent-teacher conferences with a particularly bad teacher uh, who, who essentially said said that to my folks, uh, and they they felt otherwise and, and knew otherwise. And what I've come to find <clears throat> it has really led me to the to my job to
0: being a writer,
1: which is that—and
0: not I, just a writer. Let, let's stop there. A New York Times best-selling author
1: correct yes yes that <laughs> well the thing is i feel that i don't understand anything at all until i understand it from the inside and <clears throat> beating that path to the inside of whatever that thing is ends up being uh something if i can explain it and not i i don't really assume anything that's that's my problem um assume, when you assume things uh you can go much faster but i don't assume things which makes me sort of very seem very out of it uh until i'm all the way into it. And that process is sort of a poetic process. It's a writerly process. And if I can take you with me along it, it's, uh, it, it ends up being very real for people. I'm also a very visual thinker. Um, it got me into a lot of trouble in school for a while when I was, because they thought I was just, because uh, I was drawing on everything. And uh, then they realized that my, my notebooks, especially my science notebooks, were, they were filled with cartoons, were the, they were, they were the notes and everything was embodied in the cartoon. You can always see the cartoon. So I always think that way in my head and then I write out of that as well. So, uh, so that turns, and it turns out that that's, uh, uh, that's, that's useful uh, for the, uh, you know, it's not just description, but it's, it's a stepwise process of, of thinking and seeing and, and, uh, and also uh, a stepwise process for getting to know people. So uh, that I guess can lead directly into getting to know uh, the most prolific serial killer in American history, uh, <laughs> which was a surprise, with
0: over 400 <laughs> murders. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's what it seems. Um, th- I'll tell you how I got involved with him. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to. Uh, I, I do like mysteries. I do like, uh, I like noir stuff. I like p- police procedurals, but I don't like all of it. And I didn't think I liked necessarily, certainly not medical murders, because there's just something slower but it's just a whole bunch of reasons i'm not I, I didn't i wasn't interested in that sort of thing uh but there was a, a clipping There was a little article in the paper uh that uh, it was a little headline angel uh, uh serial killer nurse attempts to donate kidney from jail and i ripped that out because i thought that's the strangest headline i've ever seen um and there wasn't much to say because this serial killer nurse who at that point confessed to only a, a few dozen uh, murders uh, had been had been caught but wasn't speaking to anybody He wasn't speaking to the press he wasn't addressing the families of his victims he wasn't uh he was determined to be to be mute uh but he had traded the death penalty for cooperation with uh detectives or as i see it partial cooperation with detectives um this was a real spotlight time for him so he was Willing to look through the charts, essentially. Uh, oh. And uh, and he was at the same time attempting to donate a kidney uh, from jail to somebody who it turned out was a, a perfect match and, and, uh, and also was in desperate need of one. And what was fascinating uh, to me was that the victim's families, Charles Cullen's uh, victim's families, did not want or at least many of them did not want this donation to go through because the idea of, just didn't seem like punishment. The idea of the killer nurse playing God from behind bars uh, was antithetical to the notion of justice and revenge. And that's what they wanted. And so here you had a situation where uh, the family members uh, of victims of a serial killer were willing to let yet another innocent person die which is to say the, the kidney recipient, so that they could have their vengeance. And uh, this to me seemed uh, like a great opportunity to plumb a number of weird questions. So stories, big or smaller are often excuses, you know they're sort of juicy or salacious seemingly salacious or you know interesting uh, in some way, in some basic way, uh, narratives uh, that have deeper philosophical questions uh, uh, at their heart. And I I knew he wasn't speaking to anybody He denied, you know, every network and, and even, you know, national geographic and, and 60 minutes and you know and everybody had tried to talk to him. He wasn't going to do that, but I wrote him a letter uh, saying, I'm not your karmic accountant. Uh, I'm not love that. The, the good against the bad. Uh, and I know you've done some things and that's why you're in jail right now. But I do believe kidney donation is important. I, think this is a good thing. I believe that if you will talk to me, I can make a story. And that story will help this kidney donation to go through. I believe that's true. I can't guarantee it. And if you don't want to do that, uh, then don't write back. I understand. So I put all the power in his hands. Uh, That turns out to be, I didn't know it at the time. This is my first the first interaction with a sociopath that I was aware of, uh, <laughs> but that turns out to have been a really good way to address a sociopath, and and so he wrote me a letter back, and from there I I contacted his attorney, who was completely shocked and and thought there's no way this guy's actually his client he was a is a public defender there's no way that Charles Cullen was going to speak to anybody, and I showed him the letter and said no no this is real, and so we started. Meeting uh, Charlie and I, and, and from there I started meeting his uh, other people in his his circle and his lawyer, of course, his priest, and and uh, and and in talking to him, <clears throat> excuse me, about his past and the kidney donation and and other things, I came to learn some other things, uh, and those things uh, included. The fact that the the murders that he was accused of were really the the tip of the iceberg that it was not forty but closer to four hundred uh that he was aware of them whatever he might might say, and that um the hospitals that he 'd moved from because he 'd been moved from hospital to hospital uh nine different uh medical facilities hospitals and nursing homes um, over the course of that sixteen he was years employed
0: at right in, that he was employed
1: yeah. at and and that he was moved on. Uh, I, I, I always have to, I want to be careful in the phrasing of this, um, as you know from the book, but he was always moved on from these facilities with neutral or positive references, sometimes allowed to or ask to resign rather than being fired. Uh, and uh, yet there were red flags all over the place. And this sounded very much like what had happened with the Catholic church scandals. Uh, it sounded like a, a much larger issue and one that was going to be buried. Uh, and so, and one that couldn't be told in just a story. So I wrote that magazine piece about the kidney, um, but the whole time gathering ammunition and, and gathering a uh, string for something much larger, which ended up taking me in total from, you know, first letter to publication, um, nine years.
0: Yeah, it, um, just took, it, it just took you into a rabbit hole of sorts. That's right. That's, that's what happens with writing, um, I mean, I've, I've only been writing since about 2008, journalistic writing probably for the last three years. And I've um, been learning it on my own um, mm-hmm. with my editors and stuff. And um, as a nurse, I'm a great researcher. So putting that all together, it's really interesting where the twists and turns go, as we've seen in your book. And your writing is really great. For example, um, I'm just going to pull out one of the characters, uh, Amy. Amy. Um, I, I watched a 60-minute um, episode, and she was in it, and she was interviewed. And I didn't know what she looked like, but from the book, as soon as I saw her, I was like, "Oh my God, that's Amy!" You know? so, so you have a, a great way of writing, where in my head I had that picture of who Amy was, what she looked like, her personality, and everything, and she fit it to the T. I was like, oh, wow, "That's great. That's pretty awesome." You know. And um, and even with the um, detectives, (coughs) I think as well. I mean, with Charles, I I feel, and we'll get a little bit more into this. um, I saw different faces of him, you know, uh, not just one. Uh, And so, I, you know, like I will get more into it. I mean, I don't want to give away too much for the book Mm. about multiple personalities that may have caused um, this to happen and stuff.
1: I just but you're write. right. The, 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 uh, the, it, physical descriptions are important because you need to you it's see very somebody. Important. And, and I try to dispense with them quickly and then give hints along the way where you don't think, okay, this is the paragraph of physical description. You get a, a sense from the way they move, the way they block their shoulders, the way yes. they, they talk, even. Um, there's something I try to get out of the way of the characters. And so I try not to describe them too long up front unless someone else is regarding them and that's the, the action with, with, with Charlie Cullen, it's, it's, um, it was tough because you could get thrown off by what he looks like. If uh, you have to know what he looks like to an extent, you have to know the way he is portrayed or he is, he is perceived rather, uh, by other people. But it, I'd seen so many faces of, of, of him at that, at that point from our meetings, uh, that, I didn't want to nail him down to anyone. He had to be slightly mercurial. He had to be yes. someone that looks. Um, he, he's 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 very perceptive, very bright, and uh, very he, funny. He's brilliant.
0: He's brilliant. I, I mean, just the fact, and uh, just the fact that he used digoxin to. Um, hmm. He gave himself digoxin when he was going through a lie detector test. I was yeah, like, oh my god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Well, here's a guy that understands. I mean, he's he really. Uh, he, he's a guy that could could read uh a, a cerner like other people read a sports page and I think he was really interested in in uh in seeing what little push and a little pull did and and that i think also had an impact on his his own ability to uh, to control his own own emotions and of course sociopaths also always have a uh you know whether you find him on the extreme end of the narcissistic scale or a true sociopath and i i i would argue for sociopaths pretty firmly and I've had that confirmed uh, by my professor yeah I think he's a um,
0: sociopath I, definitely but you, sociopath. but you know they,
1: they, they all they would they definitely have an advantage in, when it comes to the lie detector tests as well of course because um, um, they don't uh, they, they don't care about the same things that um, that other people care about so that registers differently but I'm but talk about rabbit holes I mean you're you so you know research uh, it can take you it's really important you have to know a topic if you're going to write about it right. It can also become an excuse not to write after a while because it's so interesting but what you're doing is not writing um and so there's this fine line between gathering all the string and really knowing your topic and, and researching and it's so interesting and trying to stay on 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 the thread and and i you know i i i, I cut out you know there were whole years that i had spent uh writing uh Stories within this book. that I just had to rip out
0: in the end. Now, I still
1: think they're fascinating. They just ended up being about something else, you know.
0: Interesting. How long did it take you to gather all the evidence and write the book?
1: You know, the whole process took nine years, but that's wow. not really nine years of me um, laboring away. There were there were gaps. It w- what part of what took that much time uh, was developing the relationships that I developed. Not all these characters were apparent in the beginning. It was. You know, it, it was really at first. It was Charlie Cullen, it was Charlie Cullen and his his, his uh, jailhouse priest, and a few other characters. And people didn't really want to speak to me. Um, there are a, a, a lot of people that wanted this story to just go away. Um, there's a lot of a number of people that were so frustrated by this point by what they had seen, um, and believed that nobody would 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 carry this story forward properly because it's it's so easy to say. One crazy person. Here's what the one crazy person did. As Mm -hmm. soon as we figured out, you know, I say crazy. That's not. That's obviously the that that's that's the wrong term entirely. But that's the way it's perceived. Is here's the other somebody that's not like you and I at all. uh, Did these things, and we he was he was found out and removed, and now everything's fine. And the truth was much more complicated. And the detectives, uh, Braun and Baldwin. Who, who investigated this knew that intimately and they were so frustrated, it took a long time for them to believe that anyone else was going to be willing to tell a more complicated story than that. And they were all, all of them, uh, including Charlie, and especially Charlie, protecting the fact that there was somebody else involved with this case, that there was uh, someone intimately involved. And that, of course, ends up being, being Amy. I didn't realize Amy existed for years. Oh, uh, wow, interesting. So, so and and then I started getting uh, whiffs of who she might be, and then I, as I was collecting documents, which took a very long time, um, I came across a name, and I started you know hunting for the name, uh, and it, it took a while, and, and eventually the relationship, the, the meeting had to be brokered, and it wasn't by Charlie Cohen. even though that was really that was the soft center that he um, he, he would not. Have been happy initially to to let me into. Um, so that's what 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 took so so much time. Um, ma- making it simpler <laughs> or seem simpler uh, is what, as you know, as a writer. No, it's you know it's this. very
0: complicated. I mean, there's so many. First of all, there's nine different hospitals. Second <laughs> of all, you have Cerner. Then you have Pixis. Mm. I, I mean, you have the medical terminology, which I think you did a, a great job of. Untangling and stuff. You even spent time at a burn unit, correct?
1: I, I did, yeah. Uh, because I that's was, one I,
0: of the, that's one of the first places Charlie decided to work when he was a new grad nurse. That's he right. The burn unit right away. That's that's
1: that's, that's absolutely right. He was at uh, St. Barnabas Medical Center in Livingston, Livingston, New Jersey. Uh, immediately after after his graduation, uh, he started in in uh, '93 uh, there uh, and. He was at St. Barnabas for five years, and uh, his murders started pretty much right away. And I wanted to have a better sense of, of what that was because the burn unit sounded, from his description, really, really tough. And, um, and, uh, and his description was really empathetic and empathetic towards the people he, he was the, his working with, his, his patients. And, and I wanted to have a firsthand uh, understanding of that and some and an empathy for that and so i started um, uh, i was i w- try to think of what the term is it's really i was a a, a visitor an a observer, shadow shadower shadow or. that's it <laughs> uh, on on overnight shifts at a at a burn unit uh, and in, in bridgeport uh, connecticut and that uh, uh, that was one of the hardest things i've i've ever i've ever seen i don't burn
0: is tough but, I, I did a little bit of burn uh, in a pediatric unit at oh. Irvine Medical Center many years ago, it's and I was just a floater, and I would just uh, do it as needed and stuff. But it is very, very tough. I can. Only I don't them. know.
1: I don't know how. I don't know how you how you how you do it. I don't know how they did it. I have so much respect for the the compassion and yet the stoicism that, that goes into it. I, and and I learned uh, aspects of of that. You know, it, it, these are worlds, right? These, uh, uh, especially the the world of night nursing when oh, lights yeah. are different. So, so getting intimate with that, but especially in a burn unit where you've got so many intubated patients and so many patients uh, in, in in such desperate straits, and uh, and the shorthand that is used. You know, there's sort of it's a like, there's a gallows humor that, that any field has, and, a, and, a, and and shorthands for life and death that. That you that you uh, that seems so flippant to the outsider, and, and yet reveal how profound uh, the job is, and and it was interesting uh, from a from a narrative standpoint because working there, seeing that, um, and looking at Charlie Cullen's story, I didn't want to start out with you know here's the bad guy uh, because that's not it wasn't my experience meeting him. I also think that's not the human experience, and that's it's not a that's not that's just that's just I thought a weak approach. I wanted us to start with him, just get to know him and let him tell us who he was by his actions. And those first actions in the burn unit, at least his first actions as a nurse, you could understand. I I found there wasn't really a nurse that I spoke to that didn't have some empathy, uh, some understanding of the, of the impulse at least to help terminal patients who were not going to make it through horrific burns, uh, with their pain, uh, perhaps even to the point of 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 helping them uh, end their own own lives. Not doing it necessarily, but didn't have some understanding of 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 someone who might feel that way. Which is the way Charlie Cullen was perceived, and the way uh, by by the public. That was part of the reason he wasn't speaking, and that was part of the great misunderstanding of of Charlie Cullen's. It really had nothing to do with other people at all. It was just uh, if, if you want if you like killing people uh, or get in the habit of it, a hospital especially a, a, a burn unit or a place like that is a much better place to work than say a library where people, will notice, right. if
0: they, people you know. will notice it's so true you know uh it's it is a very easy place it's a place where as you've shown in the book can be covered up very easily as well mm. you know um w- the way you painted charlie was like he always wore whites which I thought was very interesting. He always wore a white uniform. And after graduation, nurses usually burn their white uniforms. So the fact that he kept going on with a white uniform, I mean, it is incredibly interesting to me. The fact that nobody called him out and said, why do you wear whites all the time? I mean, that's my persona. I'm always looking at people and what they're wearing, how they're, what they look, their mannerisms and stuff. And if, again, it's, I think it's my dyslexia because I pick up patterns. If something seems odd, I'll call it out. My issue with the book was why nobody called him out. Why nobody, I mean, there were so many deaths going on. Why no physicians were involved saying, hey, my patient is dying. Like, what is going on at this facility? You know, why are we having so many deaths? Um, You know, usually in a medical facility, uh, when I was working at Children's Hospital, I worked at Children's Hospital for six years, we used to have uh, M&M rounds. Uh, That's mortality and morbidity rounds, where if someone died, the physician in charge of that death would go ahead and, um, as an educational thing, and it wasn't anything to berate the physician on what they did wrong, but it was all a learning situation on how can we make this better? How can we uh, better patient care. So this isn't happening in the future. It didn't seem this was going on at these facilities
1: No uh, I it, I didn't come across a lot of a lot of MNAPS uh in, in in my research now The research was also uh, Was very difficult. That's part of what took all this time a lot of the right. records were HIPAA very, like, being,
0: Well, I think that these cases happened after HIPAA got instituted so after right. 2003
1: Right. Well, you know, not all of them. They're sort of. So sort of, we're going from from '93 to 2003, right? Right, so, right. Before but, that's what I meant. That's, right, what, I, that's right. what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, exactly. So, you know, per, right. per you know what capital. I mean? Those cases I,
0: happened before HIPAA, not after HIPAA. I meant. Right. No.
1: Ex- exactly. Exactly. Right. So there, there was, there was that issue, and I wanted to be, also be careful. HIPAA or not, I, I, I always want to be careful to protect uh, people's identities and respect their privacy. I'm not. You know, I don't just name names for the for the sake of it. Um, although in this case, I felt that it was important to uh, to name every every name I could to make this as this is not um, the journalism had to be absolutely ironclad because yeah. um, there there were some pretty serious allegations that come out of this, or some certainly uh, inferences and in, uh, uh, that come out of this whole thing. So I had to be very careful. The only names I changed um, were the names of, uh, of of Charlie Cullen's children. Um, because they had nothing to do with it.
0: <laughs> right.
1: The, and I asked his uh, ex-wife whether I should use her name. I, I first had her under a pseudonym. And in the book, Amy actually has a pseudonym, um, because by the time she agreed or the, that she didn't need one, um, the book was already <laughs> heading out into the world. But she came out anyway um, and, and announced herself. And In fact, I believe her. Her uh, Instagram handle is Amy the Good Nurse. Uh, oh, is it oh, <laughs> awesome?
0: Because I wanted to get in touch with her. Oh yeah. What I what I feel is very fascinating now is that she's doing if if she's still doing it uh, hypnotherapy and past life regressions. That's what she, she read in the
1: book. She was. She's actually changed. She's now working back in. Uh, she's moved to Florida. She's had a lot of life changes. Uh, she'll probably want to speak about those herself. She's had a, a lot happen to her since then. Um, she was. She got out of nursing, uh, felt that she was sort of drummed out of nursing, frankly, uh, but then uh, got back into it because she missed it. As I've, I've found um, um, nurses, it, it is not just a job, it's a calling. Um, and she, she felt so. called in that way. Um, and now she's uh, down in Florida working, uh, working there. Um, and I believe back in uh, a clinic, um, she's had gone through a lot of changes recently, but, um, but back to your uh, original question: Why wasn't he called out? Uh, part of the uh, part of what was very difficult to find uh, it was whenever, you know, when the when the when the trail of suspicion began, when 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 it became more than just a teaching moment that this was a preventable death, an accidental death, something happened um, that could have been prevented. Uh, that uh, those red flags were, were were obvious in retrospect. You can see them in the notes. You don't see them as being reported as sentinel events, um, right? Which there you is, go. Re- which is remarkable. Um, that's the word that you like. You know, you can imagine what the panic that that word would, would set off. Some and what what I'd find is that they would become internal investigations, and and this is uh, uh, apparently systemic within hospital culture, which is that there's a real impulse to contain the problem, and it's not born of any evil, uh, although it is sometimes born of uh, a strong desire to, uh, you know, avoid litigation, but, uh, the, the, uh, you know, very often there's a, an attempt to investigate internally and, and try and figure out what's happening. And if you have someone doing, uh, intentionally killing patients while that investigation is going on, uh, that's, uh, that's just not going to work. Um, uh, and that happened again and again. And you found right from the first hospital when, when Collins investigated, um, internally by a bunch of ex-cops, uh, they figure out someone's killing patients. And in case, you know, if any, I, I, if I could take a moment here, um, people, if, if people have heard about Charlie Cullen a little bit, but they don't really remember, I get this all the time. Oh yeah, that's that guy who was doing the mercy killings somewhere in, in Pennsylvania, right? It's and not then, and, mercy killings. and yeah. they go right to Kevorkian and they say, oh, okay. And I have to say at the first hospital he worked at, he was spiking, IV bags in the storeroom spiking them with insulin he was sending people into shock randomly because they like there was one, sometimes he would pick his 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 victims and watch them but That's sometimes what
0: he was doing on Cerner. he was hunting right
1: he was hunting on Cerner and sometimes also watching to as like a, i say the, the the like a sports page to see good to go back and, and look at what happened because sometimes he sort of you know he'd, he'd he'd give someone a bolus and give them someone a a, a significant dose as he left. And then uh, the effects would really come on during someone else's shift. Uh, Or in the case of St. Barnabas, really throwing things off. He was, as I say, spiking IV bags, uh, bags of saline, pure saline in the storeroom. So he would have no idea where they went and he could figure it out later because he'd sort of see, and that's sort of, I guess, if you like playing like Plinko, or, you know, it's sort of like, like that. Um, It's also just like, uh, I don't know, it's like throwing a a brick off a overpass. Um, There's really nothing. It's all about your rage. It's not anything, you know, it's going to kill somebody in a car, but you're just thinking I'm mad. And so there's no, it would be impossible for him to have uh, been a mercy killer. Uh, And that's right from the get go. And, and we, we can't count. Uh, the, those victims. Uh, all we can do is, is know that they figure out that um, this guy's no good. Uh, they try and figure out how to prove it. And then his name just disappears from the whiteboard and he just goes somewhere else. And then yeah. bringing, even when the, this case was brought to the, uh, the local chief of police, at least this is according to my reportage, um, he didn't want anything to do with it. He told the, he told the investigators at the hospital to deal, deal with it internally. And that paperwork was largely destroyed. That's a whole another
0: oh my god, another story.
1: But it was destroyed um, uh, following Cullen's removal. And uh, I was told, and I can't verify it, of course, but I was told by uh, police sources uh, with direct knowledge of it that uh, that that area was uh, his files were intentionally cleared out, uh, and they were cleared out uh, by uh, an administrator's uh, sort of a. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to call him a henchman, uh, yeah. personally, and and intentionally as a result of that. And the oh, only wow. paperwork that survived actually was some that was um, that survived accidentally, and that paperwork alone was incredibly damning. And I had to uh, that was that was the seed for being able to. And then and again, as we say, uh, why did this take so long? That's the first hospital I worked at, <laughs> wow. and and of course you can go right up to uh, only a few a few years before when I started uh, uh, started investigating this. And memories are clearer, paperwork trails stronger and uh, and here i 've got you know uh, i've got i 've got audio tape i 've got overhears i 've got all sorts of uh, crazy sources so you know the, it, it, one wants to document the, the whole of the crimes, uh, but you certainly want to make sure that you, you you say what you know and what 's relevant and 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 not more than that, and also it needs to be readable if you if I went through every death, and this whole book was just about that. Um, you'd become numb by the end. No, it's so
0: true. I mean, just what's in there, even for me. I like I said, it was difficult for me to read because I've been in a similar situation, not so connected, but I knew of a situation and it took place at the same time, which is weird. I don't know if you know of the case of, um, he was coined the angel of death. It was at Glendale Adventist hospital. His name was Efren Sandoval happened around the same time, which I think was very interesting Uh, from 98 to about, Uh, no, no, 88 to 98, so about 10 years, and he was um, sentenced in 2003, I believe. Mm. Uh, I was just looking this up. So I was a brand new nurse. I was about 24, 25 years old uh, back in 1997. I um, was having a problem getting hired on. There was just a, a nursing freeze at that time, and I had worked at this hospital as a student nurse. And um, so then I, I got hired on. Not my first choice, but I was like, I'm going with it. It was a very, very busy orthoneural med surge unit. And so the first thing that I figured out when I was working there that seemed odd to me was we had a ton of cold blues. People were dying left and right. And I couldn't understand that. I mean, at that time, this was before the nursing racial laws. We had everybody was overloaded with patients. We had about 10 patients each, each nurse. It was just insane. Management was insane. This was managed care. So all they cared about was, uh, at this point, uh, money, you know, so they really didn't care about how they were taking care of their patients. They were, you know, they cared about their overhead. So I, you know, I brought that question up. It's like, why do we have so many co-blues? And so people would look at me and be like, oh, you know, it's a hospital. People die. They're old. And, and that's, that was, Yeah. I was like, that's, doesn't make any sense. (laughs) You know, like, but here's another thing. Why didn't anybody else think of this? Like, Hey, you're right. Why do we have so many go blues You know, how could we not have go blues You know, people don't necessarily have to die. Another thing is, Did you find
1: yourself alone? uh, in? in Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah. People, people, this happens to me all the time. This is not the first time. (laughs) I mean, people think I'm a nut job, but I'm like, whatever. (laughs) I have my platform now. And, um, And I am exposing things in my writing and stuff just to alert people. So I encountered Efren. He took care of my patients, you know? I swear to God. And I'd be like, this guy is creepy. You know, he just had an aura about him. He was very, very creepy. I would complain about him all the time, you know? And I was just like, don't you think that's interesting after this guy leaves a room that something happens, you know? Uh, and, and it was bizarre. So I left because it this place was just absolutely insane. Not what I wanted to do. I wanted to do pediatrics. I moved over to their sister hospital, which was much more controlled and organized. Mm. And a year later, bam, this all comes out. And I was like, I told people that guy was weird. Nobody wanted to listen to me. And he was offing people. But his explanation was that he... Uh, was doing mercy killings, you know, and because he was lessening up his load. That was the number one thing. He was overloaded with patients. So he was just killing them, you know, giving them pavulon, giving them a paralytic when they were in the ICU and just killing them. Mm -hmm. And because he needed his load lessened also, which I think was very interesting because you did go a little bit back with Charlie into his past, uh, so they went and asked people he went to high school with, what was he like? And uh, they were like, "Oh, he wanted to help old people die. That's what he kept saying when he was in high school. So. what?
1: Well, I mean so, I, I mean, good for him for realizing his dreams? No. I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, like his guidance counselor maybe should have pushed him away from uh, from a career in healthcare. Uh, oh my God. I'm, that's, that's crazy. I never heard that aspect. Yeah, I, I just
0: was reading an LA Times article from 2002, 2002 2003. <coughs> Excuse me. And this was in there. I was, I was floored. I was like, oh my God. Which brings me to the case. Um, and I'm just going to, I think your book is so pivotal at this time. Because there is this case in Tennessee with a nurse who mistakenly gave um, Vecronium instead of Versed and the patient ended up dying. And she got it out of the Pixis uh, as an error. And I guess, I don't know the details. We're gonna do this case in a much later date. I have an attorney coming on and we're gonna dissect it a little bit more uh, once I get more information. But she's being tried for manslaughter, just off the bat, you know, which is, it's gonna be devastating to the medical community. Um, you know, when it does go to trial and stuff on what's going to happen. But I almost think that with books like yours and these situations that have happened, they're like, we're just going to start trying everybody.
1: It's it's such an unfortunate backlash. When this book first came out, I started speaking with some nurse attorneys and in fact have uh, uh, addressed uh, groups of nurse attorneys uh, at at conferences uh, because that seems like such an excellent nexus. Yeah. And And what I'd hoped was going to happen you know, there's, if there's a message, skipping to the end of this book without giving the book away, um, but as an outcome, uh, the detectives themselves, uh, and every and anybody that reads this book, I think, would say at the very least, we should have a grand jury. We should look further into what happened, and and that culture, uh, and yes. perhaps a cover-up culture, and hold fully responsible those who, perhaps, actively obstructed justice. To coin a phrase, uh, in in this in this case, what and and there's the there was also a uh, more obvious call that you might expect, which is to say that your hospitals now need to report Sentinel events and nurses yes. like Charles Cullen right because they didn 't do that, but those laws, those so called Cullen laws, which were enacted at least, last time I looked in at least thirty eight states they really it, it really backfired uh, at least against the nurses, and I feel to any extent that I'm responsible for it, I feel really badly. What it, what it ended up doing, as far as I understand it, is it just ends up penalizing good nurses, yeah. overloaded nurses. Yes. Uh, it, 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 the, the burden falls more squarely on nurses than, than ever. In the hospitals, their penalty, for, so if, and I'm just saying this as a, as a theoretical if because I don't want to have to be too careful about my phrasing here, but if a hospital felt that they had a dangerous nurse on staff, and didn't alert uh, the authorities about it, didn't report it as a sentinel event, nor did they uh, alert uh, police into what is a police matter and moved this nurse out their back door uh, quietly. And this nurse, of course, would then get rehired somewhere else and perhaps do the same thing over and over again. If, If they did that in order to avoid being sued for all the wrongful deaths that happened in their hospital, uh, and to lessen their, their likelihood of, of liability by millions and millions of dollars, tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, the penalty for getting caught doing that as of these laws is maybe like it's 1,200 bucks or something like that. It's, it's some tiny fraction. It's, it's so much less than they're paying for insurance. It, it makes economic sense. Yeah. Not to, to continue to put the burden on nurses themselves to over stigmatize them and also to continue to not report when you as a hospital administrator have direct knowledge of a, a dangerous of, of, of a rogue dangerous individual so this has been a horrible thing and i'm afraid this case in tennessee right. is is ex- exactly that charlie Cullen yeah. used vec uh and was moved out the back door and uh by lawyers were brought in and that uh and and you know that's clear intent, intentional homicide but a mistake this is the other thing if i can and i know i'm
0: no no go um, ahead this so, is great this
1: is awesome but, uh, i'm loving there's, this there's there's something else that's uh that that this book got into the middle of and i liked there's a period before you're sick of charlie i'm about about halfway through the book right about when you like can't take him one more second you turn the page I'm and I'm like, the book
0: against the wall again well, for that right
1: <laughs> and it's suddenly it's book two and you're in this clear-cut world of detectives who are themselves a whole different but it's different you, and it's it's not quite as clean as the cavalry's here but you you know you you can't you can't take it anymore but there, there was a, a period where you needed to have charlie throwing his elbows around um you, you know i mean could you could have i could have written a thousand uh, page book about him doing that but there was a period uh there's something important to get to in the middle of all this it was came from my conversations with with charlie cullen over and over again and in, as I say, in jail, and then while he was being sentenced, and then later on in prison, when in Trenton, when I was visiting him, were uh, maximum security. Um, he had a bone to pick with the medical establishment. He had a bone to pick with managed care. He had a bone to pick with overstaffing and with the uh, and the, with with the patients being dumped uh, uh, into one hospital from one, from one hospital to another in order to uh, make sure that that one hospital could keep. Their numbers looking good. I uh, had a problem with uh, uh, patient, the way patients were cared for, and the way management treated uh, nurses. All the bones that he had to pick, everything he said, was absolutely legitimate and totally valid. Overstaffed, overworked nurses, uh, nurses that are perhaps uh, have you know have gotten older as they've uh, to the point where they should maybe be in a, a less stressed or a less urgent environment, but not uh, not. Put on trial because they can't keep up with an over you know, with, with a with a over busy schedule and, and an understaffed environment. That people should be moved around compassionately. And what I thought was fascinating is that um, Colin, he hes a perpetrator. He's—he's he's not a victim. That's the he always brought these things up in order to present himself as a victim. But he also is a symptom. You know, it, he, he he was absolutely right. The hospitals were understaffed. Yeah, uh, they—they were overworking. Uh, they were maximizing their profits and he, uh, took delight in, in highlighting that it bold underline. Uh, and he did it with murder His it, 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 it was, a uh, so he was a, was a street artist who's. Well, that's what K. Efren
0: did too. I mean, Efren just said it. He was like, yeah, I, you know, but uh, I mean, Charlie was a little bit covert.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he was also he, covert about it. He, he liked, uh, he, he, he got off on, on, uh, Knowing that he'd gotten away with it, showing how much smarter he was. And the more obvious it was, um, without him saying, without him admitting it, and the more obvious, when it was obvious and he got away with it, he took that. And he said this to me so many times because you see, they're hypocrites and they're liars. And mm-hmm. his, wow. his, his, his bottom line was I'm showing you how corrupt this whole system is. Wow. Um, what he never says is, and I did it through homicide, which is, uh, uh, and the killing of innocents. He never took pro- personal responsibility mm-hmm. at all. In fact, right. he wouldn't talk about murder. But what he would talk about was, uh, was, was the hypocrisy of, of the system that let him get away with it. And so it's really an interesting uh, vehicle. It's very because-
0: fascinating. And, it, and it, like I said, it's true to form now with what happened in Boston, in Massachusetts, with mm-hmm. uh, the nursing ratios getting knocked down, you know. Mm-hmm and uh like I, I wrote a piece on this um a few months ago and there were administrators who had never even worked in healthcare saying oh nurses can take care of that low nurses can do it and i was like who is this guy and it led me to linkedin and i was looking at these people's profiles they they were they were like some consulting agency and the guy i go he's never even worked in a hospital that's How terrible saying this what a moron you that's know terrible. And, and I wrote that. Thank God. I have a great public. She like, let me write it. I'm like, awesome. I do get edited. I mean, cause well, the nursing that... world is like, we're so perfect. We're so pretty, you know? And they, they try to do this image. I'm like, no, I mean, this is why I have my rogue nurse media because you need to see that other side. We're fighters. I mean, that pretty, perfect white, that's, that never existed. Well, that's you know? the good nurse. It, it, this is why yeah. I have
1: this big, dumb title. I mean, I like, yeah, this, but, yeah. but, but because the good nurse, they're short words and it's a cartoon, right? You right. picture the good nurse. If, if, if you just say those three words, you picture you picture the white uniform, you maybe picture that, you know, uh, I don't know that, that Chinese, the, the hat. Uh, uh, take Chinese take hat. Hat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it is you picture. Um, but what right. you're picturing is not a person. You're not picturing any the complexity. You're not picturing the really complicated, uh, uh, like coral reef like ecosystem of a nursing station you're not picturing uh, the front line of birth and death and everything in between right. you not pick- per- personality clashes and you're not picking up on the really serious labor issues um, right. and the really un- the real undervaluing of of of, 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 of 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 human lives and those uh, in, in, in charge of them and protecting of them so I love what you're doing this is this is great but I also have seen, how much backlash there is. I mean, Oh yeah. I get, gla- get
0: backlash all the time. I went to my nurse practitioner conference in New Orleans and it was our national conference. And I'm trying to like, Hey, let's join forces. Let's, they don't want anything to do with me, you know? Cause I'm too real, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's fine. Be fake. You know, people, I had a storytelling show. They came to my storytelling show and it was graphic. I had someone on that was graphic. That was telling the story about how his, uh, girlfriend gave him fellatio while he was in the hospital on a catheter and i was like but that's real that happens <laughs> how many times have, have, have nurses walked in on patients having sex happens you yeah. know we need to hear about this how are, how would i deal with that if i walked in on someone you know i that's think right. it's a teaching thing we need to hear stories like that and i told the woman i'm sorry it was graphic for you i know you're you're perfect and this doesn't happen in your world. My world, it happens.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah so yeah, it, Well, if you don't share it, um, it, it 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 goes it goes nowhere, right? But it's but I find is that the I mean, you you've had this experience apparently. I can't believe yeah. you had a run. Oh, I've CO-care. had it's wild.
0: Incredible. I've had like Mr. Told's wild ride of experiences. <laughs> where I've I, I even had another one. This this physician is still employed at this facility where I found out he was doing major fraud and I was conducting a whole sting operation in my office. People were telling me things, but not wanting to get involved. So who are they getting involved? The new nurse. I was like, that's ridiculous. And I had a friend who was an attorney who had covered this facility and he was like, get out, get out of there, get out. They're going to kill you. They're literally going to, you know, mess up your career. Get out. I was like, no, I have to help. I have to be the savior. Oh, no, 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 no. And then I ended up leaving that facility, and again I saw the bricks just falling apart, and other things coming up with um, uh, like deans and and stuff doing like really nasty things and taking billion dollar like uh, it, it's just gross. I mean it's it was it, it was interesting to see it all fall apart. It was like oh well, yeah I get it. It's all corrupt. It's <laughs> such a know?
1: weird. I mean this is. Well, people think
0: healthcare is, is perfect. You know, it's like, I'd rather go work at Hollywood. At least nobody can die, you know? And I've worked on set and people like forget. I'm like, listen, honey, nobody dies here. Relax. You know, you want to go where there's like real major stuff going on healthcare. You know it's such a well scary. what a bizarre
1: weird because because it's 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 graphic, it's as low down and dirty as you can get because it's real people and all their yeah. fluids and bits and they're all coming apart. Nope. Very few people are and you got these
0: CEO, they're... sociopath narcissistic CEOs that all they care right. about is
1: money. And th- right, and then you've got the the the, the, the most uh, the, the largest employer. The state often, or and the and the uh, and the largest profit margin. So you have incredible amounts of money, these huge ones, You really, this the intersection of all that money and all of that management yeah. and these really messy humans. Uh, it, it's it, it's it's going to be a, a, a complete s show. I don't know what what your yeah, show no, no. show is rated. It's so I'm a total uh, shit
0: show. No, I shit show. yes, shit, show? I shit show. show.
1: Oh, oh, that's total right. No, show. yeah, a, I, you
0: know, and, bodily and galore.
1: <laughs> right so it, it so that the telling of that it's it's funny because a lot of people um took came away for that were not nurses that came away from my book going oh my god i don't want to ever be in hospital i can't trust any anyone said, It's no, scary. that's that's, that's scary. not really what you should take away from this you no have, no you know <laughs> but um but you know it's this is just i think we don't in this country certainly have a realistic uh uh we're not ready to realistically approach anything about healthcare. It's and- so true.
0: And I think because people don't want to believe it, you know, they want to believe yeah. physicians take this Hippocratic Oath and they're great physicians, you know, but we saw, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Death, the podcast. I've heard of is, it. Oh my God. It's insane. I could only listen to one episode. My, I made my friends listen to it and they were like, uh, they were just uh, convulsing how bad it was. And it's about this neurosurgeon in Tennessee, I don't know what's going on in Tennessee, but <laughs> <laughs> right. who, who was botching up these surgeries and giving his patients lobotomy so they couldn't sue him. That's just the gist. Right. You know? That's um, about anyway. as bad as it gets. And again, Pete, the administration was covering it up. It's, it's very similar to um, your book and stuff. But uh, you're, you're right. People want to think that healthcare, everybody's doing good you know, and there is not good without evil. I mean, we know with superheroes and stuff and it's everywhere, you know, you just have to be alert and question everything. You know, I tell my patients, please ask me questions. You don't like what I have to say, go to someone else. You know, I, I please do that, you know, uh, and I will help you as much as I can, but go get a second, third, fourth, fifth, 10th opinion, you know, and and decipher for yourself what's going on, you know?
1: Empowerment, Jared. knowledge, uh, feeling very th- there are a lot of people that don't have uh, that don't have anything in between being completely helpless, just throwing themselves uh, into the, the stream of the system and hoping it all that they come out the other side, shiny and fixed and uh, kind of being uh, jerks, <laughs> frankly, yeah. you know, fr- frankly, and uh, at jerks to the point where they're actually getting in the way of, of, of their own well-being and and other people's considered opinions and people that are working very very hard um that's a i mean the thing is that i ran into so many good people so many hard-working i mean yeah. people, people that i couldn't and they, they were actually
0: want to make a difference i mean they were, it, it, yeah. it, it, and they there were messy people
1: they were all they were messy complicated profane all yeah. these things the, the nurses i met it was like this is a
0: Oh man, there, a lot of nurses are a hot mess, let me tell you. Yeah,
1: but they care and we're working so hard. Yeah, It's and, very true. And, and so, so and the, and they're there. So I, I was hoping so when people say, oh, my God, I never want to go to the hospital. I was like, great, don't get sick. That's fine. Yeah, but, yeah. but also, did you not take away all the other people? So that's why I wanted to ask you. I mean, the problem is whistleblowing is necessary. Being able to be that person is just so valuable and so respected. And I and that's and that's what really you know that's the, the heroine of this of the story ends up being a whistleblower. However, it never ends up working out. No, well. it never ends up good.
0: I mean, I was a whistleblower, like I said at Glendale Venice. Nobody listened to me, so I just needed to move on with my career, uh, and stuff, and whatever happened there. They had to zoom bodies and all that drama. This other place that I worked mm-hmm. at. Um, I, I did. I, I went very high up and I told all the administrators, I told anybody that would listen to me, and they literally looked at me like I was crazy. You know, what? Right. What you're believing is not going on. But yet there were other nurses and nurse managers telling me that, yes, this was going on. and But they didn't want to get involved because why? They didn't want to lose their insurance. They didn't want to lose right. their benefits. They didn't want to get fired. You know. And um, let me tell you something, people, if you see something going on, there are other jobs out there. Okay. Look at Charlie Cullen. He had like how many? (laughs)
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, As many as he wanted. There are other
0: jobs out there. And I tell people that all the time, you know, and it's, it's just a game that we're playing and it's like, whose side are you on? Are you on good? or Are you on evil? You know? Thank you for listening to another episode of nurses and hypochondriacs. We would so appreciate you giving us a five-star rating And don't forget to download the Nurse Backpack app. It's free. It's easy to use. It's great credential management. It's secure. It's safe. It gives you expiration date reminders, puts together a resume package for you, and you get the ability to send documents and your resume to anyone. Go ahead, download the app today. The link is at the end of the podcast notes. Also follow us At Nurses and Hypochondriacs on Facebook, Nurses and HypoCon on Twitter, and on Instagram. We're under Rogue Nurse Media. Till next time.